Like war, impeachment is hell. Um, was that Ken Starr? Ken Starr of the Clinton impeachment? Calling impeachment hell? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Yes. Yes, it was. Imagine that. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Oh, the irony. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Oh, the hypocrisy. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In New Hampshire on WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We are live in the uh, delightful, lovely, beautiful KPFK studios here in uh, North uh, North Hollywood, somewhere or another. It is day seven of the Senate impeachment trial of Donald John Trump's uh, continuing investigation, that con- uh, continuing impeachment trial that continued on uh, uh, over the weekend. On Saturday and indeed continues as we go to air live today with the president's defense team offering day two of their opening argument, which if four Republican senators fail to vote in favor of witnesses and document subpoenas to be included in the trial, it may also be their closing arguments as well. Monday's presentation followed uh, on day one of the president's defense team on Saturday when they spoke for just two hours, giving a bare overview of the case that they intend to make, which they have gotten underway on Monday. Uh, That case appears to be in brief that the president did nothing wrong in withholding a White House meeting and nearly $400 million in military aid to Ukraine, which uh, Democratic House managers spent three days arguing was done to pressure Ukraine's president into announcing, not carrying out, but just announcing investigations into Joe Biden in hopes of helping his 2020 chances by once again, as he did in 2016, asking a foreign power to help him cheat in an upcoming election. Desi Doyen, you will be keeping your eyes on the uh, impeachment trial as the show moves forward, let me know if there's anything of note that happens, if anything <laughs> I breaks will at any moment. Absolutely will do so. 
Uh, they, uh, his attorney, uh, Donald Trump's attorney, argued that nobody who testified in the House uh, investigation has said they were told by the president that the money was being withheld to pressure Ukraine's new president into announcing these investigations into dirt on Joe Biden. That is not exactly true, as lead House manager Adam Schiff has since pointed out, as redacted documents between the Pentagon and the White House Office of Management and Budget, the OMB uh, show, uh, confirm the uh, POTUS, as it was written in the emails, was personally ordering the hold on the military aid to the war-torn former Soviet nation. Trump's argument is that any hold, any hold on fundings was simply to assure that Ukraine dealt with the corruption in the country. It was not about the Bidens, not specifically, and he had an obligation to do so as president before giving millions to a, uh, a country with a, histo- with a history of corruption. That, despite Trump having signed off on hundreds of millions of dollars in aid to Ukraine previously in both 2017 and 2018, but only now, apparently in 2019, did he become concerned about corruption somehow in the Ukraine that was tied to the Bidens and uh, the uh, company that uh, Joe Biden's son sat on the board for Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. And uh, over the past hour or two, as we go to air, they have been focusing, the uh, uh, Trump's defense team has been focusing, in fact, on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and on that company, Burisma, and concerns about corruption there. Nonetheless, Donald Trump had no concerns about the corruption at Burisma or in the Biden family. Prior to uh, 2019, when Joe Biden appeared to be a threat to him, uh, to Donald Trump's 2020 reelection prospects, according to polls, that was when he decided, it seems, to start targeting uh, the Bidens and this concern about uh, corruption in Ukraine. The White House attorneys also argued that the matter should be adjudicated not by impeachment in the Senate, but by voters at the ballot box in nine months, and that Democrats should instead have waited potentially years, if necessary, for the court system to determine if witness subpoenas that had been blocked by the White House in an unprecedented blockade of all witnesses and all documents from the executive branch by this president That's the basis, by the way, for Article 2 of the impeachment obstruction of Congress. Um, Those arguments were presented on Saturday and again on Monday, despite uh, the fact that Democrats claim that because Trump was attempting to cheat in the 2020 election, they could not wait for the court system to uh, take its slow action in determining who could or couldn't be uh, subpoenaed by the House impeachment investigation. Uh, the The presumed path now of Trump's defense and the GOP hopes of not allowing any witnesses at this trial was shook big time by a bombshell report by The New York Times on Sunday that we will get to shortly, along with your phone calls on impeachment, if we have time here. Uh, I'd love to know, I'd uh, love to hear from you, 818-985-5735, where, uh, on where we are, what you thought of the Democratic House manager's presentation last week, of the president's defense attorneys on Saturday and again on Monday where this whole thing may now go, particularly given the explosive news, which I will get to in a bit, 
uh, that broke on Sunday regarding John Bolton. Uh, If you'd like to queue up on that or on the other breaking news that we covered on Friday regarding the California Secretary of State's controversial conditional certification of L.A. County's new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems after after it failed to meet more than 40 California voting system standards during certification testing. Uh, If you want to call in on that, if you have any questions, concerns, I suspect you may have plenty. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I will get to more on L.A. County in a moment Um, and impeachment as well. But uh, we also have a, a few updates in the stunning weekend tragedy Uh, Involving the death of L.A. Laker legend and indeed world NBA icon Kobe Bryant and his daughter in a helicopter crash near L.A. on uh, on Sunday. I know that means a lot to uh, folks around the world, but certainly here in L.A. The helicopter that crashed in Calabasas, California, was operating under special visual flight rules. According to an air traffic control audio conversation with the pilot that was captured by the website LiveATC.net, a special visual flight rules clearance is given to pilots to allow them to fly in weather conditions that are worse than those uh, allowed for standard visual flight rules. Indeed, the LAPD uh, helicopters on Sunday were grounded because... As those uh, of us in L.A. certainly noticed on Sunday, there was an unusually heavy fog across much of L.A. County on Sunday. And for those in our national listening audience who may not be familiar with the terrain out here, there are a lot of foothills and low mountains, which uh, in a low-hanging fog, if if an aircraft is forced to fly low, Uh, Those mountains, those foothills could be uh, very easily not seen until it was too late. Uh, In this case, it appears that the Burbank Airport control tower uh, allowed Bryant's helicopter to proceed following the I-5 highway using the special visual flight rules clearance. With the pilot confirming to the control tower, uh, according to the report, quote, maintain special VFR, that's visual flight rules, at or below 2,500 feet. Later in the flight, the pilot apparently asked for, quote, flight following. That's a service where controllers are in regular contact with an aircraft. The controller was recorded, however, telling the pilot, you are still too low level for flight following at this time. Unquote. That could mean that the helicopter was flying too low to be seen on air traffic control radar. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Bryant's death, along with his daughter Gigi, has shook many around the world, uh, but likely no more so uh, than right here in L.A., where I, I went out to had some dinner last night and saw no fewer than three different tables in a tiny burger restaurant in the Valley uh, where customers were wearing Kobe Bryant L.A. Laker jerseys. Many politicians, including L.A. uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, uh, have rung in with statements on the tragic death of the retired uh, 41-year-old Lakers, uh, death of of the 41-year-old Laker legend, noting that L.A. was, quote, mourning the loss of one of our most beloved legends and icons. Congressman Waters said, though, Kobe Bryant is no longer with us. 
Our city will never forget what he meant to us and will keep his legacy alive forever. Bryant, as she noted, played for 20 seasons at the Staples Center here in L.A. He was an 18-time NBA All-Star, earned five NBA championships, twice was named the MVP of the NBA Finals, and earned the NBA's uh, MVP award. There were a total of nine passengers, uh, including the pilot uh, in that helicopter that went down on Sunday. All were killed, along with Bryant. According to NBC4 in L.A. today, the crash took the lives of uh, Bryant and his 13 year old daughter Gianna, better known as Gigi. She was a rising youth basketball star herself. She uh, had hoped to play in the NBA, some uh, WNBA someday. She was uh, better known as Gigi and the second oldest of Bryant's four children. Also, John Altabelli, who coached at uh, Orange, County, uh, Orange Coast College, um, he was killed as well. Last year, he was the American Baseball Coaches Association Coach of the Year. His wife, Carrie, and daughter, Alyssa, were also killed in Sunday's crash, as were uh, Christina Mauser, a girls' basketball coach at a nearby private elementary school who uh, worked with Bryant at a clinic at Mamba Sports Academy where Gigi played and Kobe coached the team. Also killed were Sarah Chester, her daughter Peyton, who played basketball with Gigi. The identity of the pilot killed in Sunday's crash has not yet been confirmed, at least as of airtime to my knowledge. All right. In other uh, Los Angeles news today that should be of note to the rest of the country, uh, this is a big issue for Los Angeles, but it should be big for everyone in the nation. Please pay attention, uh, as we have been reporting very closely in recent days on this program, and as we've been uh, covering very closely in recent days, uh, California Secretary of State Alex Padilla on Friday conditionally certified a brand new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system for Los Angeles to replace the previous system of hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place, despite uh, finding more than 40 serious violations of California voting system standards. Those were discovered by independent certification testers hired by the Secretary of State. And despite the fact that it is impossible after an election on one of these touchscreen ballot marking device systems, these BMD systems that we'll be using for the first time out here in L.A., it is impossible to know if any computer marked paper ballot actually reflects the intent of any voter. Indeed, as we have uh, been reporting, a, a recent study of a, uh, a similar BMD system by the University of Michigan found that 93% of voters do not notice when the computer has flipped their, uh, flipped their vote. 93%. That despite being explicitly told these voters in this, uh, in this study to review the computer-marked paper ballots very closely before casting it. Uh, now, this is the system that the California Secretary of State has uh, incredibly decided to certify for use just weeks from now uh, in the March 3rd Super Tuesday primary. Uh, now, there was an important point in Secretary Padilla's so-called conditional certification uh, in fact, it was the first condition listed as this story broke, as the cer certification broke. We were first to cover it on air on uh, on Friday's broadcast. So here's what uh, here's what that first condition is. Pay attention closely. Los Angeles County 
shall make available in each vote center a sufficient number of blank write-in paper ballots for any voter that requests to cast a hand-marked paper ballot. Oh, really? That sounds good. The paper ballot write the paper write-in ballots shall at a minimum contain all elements consistent with the federal voting assistant programs federal write-in absentee ballot and comply with state law. Any write-in ballot cast at a vote center shall be secured in a ballot secrecy envelope identifying the ballot style or precinct placed in a secure ballot box and shall be processed as a regular ballot during the canvas period. Okay, well, that after, by the way, months and months, years at this point of the L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan saying that there would not be any availability of hand-marked paper ballots at these new voting centers, about a thousand of them that are now uh, replacing the 5,000 precincts Uh, community precincts that we had used previously in our elections for many, many years out here, actually for decades out here in L.A. But so what does it mean that there will be a a blank write-in paper ballot? Well, I know a lot of folks have been kind of excited because it sounds like voters will, in fact, be able to cast a hand-marked paper ballot at the polls in the uh, March 3rd Super Tuesday primary. Well, I wouldn't get too excited, not just yet. I had never even heard, by the way, of the—and I do this for a living— I had never even heard of the federal voting federal voting assistant program's federal write-in absentee ballot. Desi Doyen, had you ever—oh, she's on the—all right, you keep taking calls. That's all right. I was going to ask if you had ever heard—if you had ever heard of the federal voting assistance program's federal write-in absentee ballot prior to any of this stuff. No, I had no idea that even existed. Because it's largely for overseas voters. Apparently, this is a ballot. I had to learn about it myself. This is a ballot sort of of last uh, last resort. If you live overseas, you've asked for an absentee ballot. It doesn't get there because the overseas mail system is not in time or it doesn't find you. You can apparently go online and download this uh, federal write-in absentee ballot, uh, and it allows voters basically I have a copy here uh, to to uh, fill in in one column. You fill in the uh, the office that you want to vote for. Yeah. So president, U.S. senator. Uh, if it's a local election, apparently a non-federal office, you have to know the name of the so uh, you know county commissioner. So you have to know in council. advance right. who you want to vote for you and what to, races are there. Who you know and what race exactly. So you fill it in. Apparently, you have to write in the name of the office, and then in the second column, you write in the candidate's name. And then I guess you have to write in uh, this copy of the uh, federal write-in absentee ballot that I'm looking at here has a column for political party. What happens if you put down the wrong political party? I don't know. I don't understand. I've been trying to get a lot more information on what the hell this actually means from the Secretary of State Padilla, from the uh, Registrar of Voting uh, here in L.A. County, Dean Logan. Right. I know you will be shocked as anyone to hear... (laughs) You know where I'm going here. I do know where you're going with this one. <laughs> I have not heard a word back from either of them. Surprise. Despite asking on Friday. Now, you know, we had a weekend in between. I thought, well, maybe they'll wait till Monday. So far, I have not received a response. For some reason, they just don't like talking to me about this. Hey, guys, I no don't rush. Understand it's why. not like there's not an election coming up. <laughs> 
So this would, yes, be a hand-marked paper ballot that would be available at the polling place in theory, and you can ask for it if you know about it. Uh, what happens on ballot initiatives? Uh, are those allowable in these uh, with this uh, with this write-in version of an absentee uh, a ballot? Uh, can you write yes or no for a ballot initiative? I don't know. So it, it, uh, among the chaos and confusion that is being caused by this god-awful system that I have spent 10 years warning about, 10 years warning about on this show, ever since I was at the very first development meeting for this system, which is called VSAP, which stands for Voting Solutions for All People. Uh, the chaos and confusion that I have been warning people about, I predict, and I don't do predictions, but I'm predicting this is about to get a hell of a lot worse. When early voting begins on February, I think it's February 22nd, uh, it's going to begin. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I don't know if any of these, uh, if, if people are going to want, want to write, uh, to, to fill in these hand-marked sort of paper ballots, these write-in ballots that will be available? They're, they're kind, they sound kind of like provisional ballots, but I guess they're not going to be because they're going to be actual handwritten write-in ballots. The, the, is, exactly. Is the and and, and in the uh, certification, the conditional certification from the Secretary of State, he says these will be, uh, shall be processed as a regular ballot during the canvas period. In other words, unlike a provisional ballot where they hold it back until they can check your eligibility to vote, etc. Uh, so it's counted much later. These should be counted uh, without those additional checks. However, uh, are they going to count them by hand because they can't be put through a, an optical scan reader? Or are they going to do this uh, practice, which I loathe, called remaking the ballot, where they actually have an election official take your ballot and rewrite it onto an optical scan ballot and, and then run that, that through? And right. hope that they get that right and run that through a computer. Oh, uh, All of these questions are uh, unknown at this time. I've been trying to figure out what's going on. I know a lot of you folks have been writing into the Secretary of State's office on that. Um, during the public comment period, which ended last week on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, but it appears uh, the Secretary of State now has heard you, sort of, and is trying to split the baby in the bargain by I, uh, adding these sort of hand-marked paper ballots. I yes, foresee Desi. a considerable amount of chaos on Super you Tuesday, think? yes, yeah. if they don't get this figured out. Now, Libby Dankman of the LAist and uh, KPCC, which is the national uh, public radio outlet out here, reported over the weekend that while previously the uh, L.A. County Registrar Recorder had said that new ballot, these uh, new ballot marking devices would only uh, would be the only option at vote centers. Padilla's office told her, apparently they're willing to talk to her, that, quote, voters may have to handwrite candidates' names, but these ballots provide an opportunity for voters to handmark their ballot if that is their preference. Uh, I also noted, by the way, on uh, on Friday's program that Registrar Logan had promised me via email, and I still have that email. I got it 
right here. You can hear it, so you know I'm telling you the truth. Uh, I got that email from uh, Dean Logan on, what is this, uh, January 10, 2019, wherein he promised that the system would be, quote, in compliance with California's voting system standards that exceed the federal voluntary st- uh, system standards. In fact, the system is not in compliance with those standards, with 40 of them, but will be allowed for use uh, anyway apparently. So that, by the way, is just one of the reasons that um, the city of Beverly Hills announced uh, also, as we covered on Friday, that they are now suing L.A. County uh, They uh, because of this huge design flaw that shows only the first four candidates in any race on the touchscreen computer. And if you want to see any more candidates in that race, you have to hit a big, well, I don't know how big it is, but you have to hit a button, a more button, in order to see the other candidates. That more button happens to be right next to the, uh, happens to be right next to the next button, which means if you accidentally hit the next button, you will never see the other candidates after the first four in that race. So this is a huge cluster fail, big time, and uh, I expect it'll get worse uh, before the election on March 3rd. I would encourage all L.A. voters to do what I almost never recommend, which is to get a vote-by-mail ballot so that you can cast a hand-marked paper ballot, a proper one, not this... uh, I don't know what this ghettoized the handwritten write in make up your own candidate kind of maybe yeah thing. exactly uh, so to get a vote by mail ballot if you li- if you live in L A and I'll explain why this is important to everyone this is not just an L A issue uh, but you can uh, request that vote by mail ballot at lavote.net. please note if you are a no party preference voter in other words if you're not signed up with one of the political parties already. Um, You must request a specific party ballot if you wish to vote, for example, in the Democratic primary on March 3rd. If you're an NPP, no party preference voter, and you happen to uh, uh, go to LAVote.net and request a vote by mail ballot, you will get one in theory, but it will have no presidential candidates on it because you haven't told them what presidential primary you wish to vote uh, you wish to vote in. So I would also encourage all of our listeners around the country, as I said, to pay attention to what is going on here. This is sort of ground zero in one sense to what is going on nationally, because the L.A. County Registrar out here, Dean Logan, has said that he is interested in making this VSAP system available to the rest of the country, Uh, presuming things go well here in L.A. And so far, so good. Why worry? Uh, At the same time, similar unverifiable BMD systems made by private vendors uh, are proliferating around the country. Uh, Before the 2020 elections, similar systems to the ones we're seeing here in L.A., the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation. We're seeing it in battleground states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, and others like Texas and New Jersey, etc. Again, please pay as much condition to uh, attention I'll say that again. Please pay much attention to the track conditions just as much as you do to the horse race, since as anybody who follows horse racing knows, the track conditions have as much to do with who with which horse wins that race as anything else. 
and all of this, by the way, this mess just days away from voting beginning out here in California and in dozens of other states. Uh, This is as the Iowa caucuses are set for Monday. New Hampshire primary is set for the following Tuesday. That's followed by the Nevada caucus the week after, South Carolina the Saturday after that, and then Super Tuesday, including California, Texas, and about another dozen other states will all be voting on that same day just three days later. And early voting starts in most of those states earlier. So, yes, I am as concerned about all of this as I sound this year. Now, I'm going to take a quick break. And if you have questions, well, do we have we have no phones? Desi Doyen's telling me. Is that we right? We have no phones at the moment. We're Fantastic. working feverishly to try to get it fixed. Right. But so, right now we don't. Oh, really? OK. So maybe we'll have phones. I see somebody ringing there. Whether we can feed them through, however, is a different question. That's the issue. That's indeed. the question. So, it's so, a, so I'm not yeah. even going to give out the phone number, right? Right. Uh, not for the moment. We'll, if okay. we are able to get it fixed, we will, we will put out the phone number. So thanks, everybody, for your patience while we try to get it fixed. Because I know. I'm sure. I know for a fact, just based on my email, which you can reach me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can also find me on the Twitters at the bradblog. Just based on my email alone, I know a lot of you have questions about this, concerns about this. You've been trying to contact the Secretary of State's office about this. Uh, so I had been hoping to uh, answer some of your questions. We'll see if we get that worked out over a break here. We'll take a quick break and we will come back as I try to transition now from this to impeachment because everything is now going on at the same time. Good luck to me figuring it out how to figuring out how to cover it every day on the broadcast. Uh, but I want to transition to impeachment and not just the trial that is ongoing as we go to air here, but the bombshells, specifically the bombshells of the past 24 hours. Uh, and uh, which, well, I think it's a game changer. We will find out. Let's take a quick break here. We will reset for impeachment. And who knows, maybe your calls and whatever surprises might come up along the way. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. You know, as as our phones are going down today, it occurs to me, 
Boy, I hope those computer uh, touchscreen systems in Los Angeles don't go down at a critical moment <laughs> on Election think? Day. That would never happen, right? Yeah, that would be uh, some more problems. Now, this is radio. So, I, you know what? It's not a problem. I could, I Believe me, I have plenty to say, not just about the L.A. County voting systems, but all of the other ones around the country. Uh, but I have plenty to say on impeachment as well. It's no big deal if there's a computer error here during our uh, radio show. A whole damn different story, however, if these computers fail on Election Day, on March 3rd, on Super Tuesday in California, in Texas, in other states around the country. Uh, What do you do when you rely on computers, but computers go down and voters can't vote on the one day they are allowed to vote on Election Day? That is potentially the catastrophe that we are now looking at for more than five million voters in L.A. County. And, oh, yeah, uh, entire states like Georgia, entire huge cities like Philadelphia, which is a key battleground state for the 2020 election. That's why you don't rely on computers for mission critical events like an election. That's what we're looking at here in uh, in Los Angeles. And I'm sorry, but it makes me absolutely crazy. I know. Not hard to make me crazy. Uh, let me know, Des, if we get our phones open uh, and yeah, we will absolutely. open your uh, yeah, we'll open open the phones to your calls on all of this. Uh, but let me move for the moment. Where am I here? Over to impeachment. <sighs> yes, that's all going on at exactly the same time. And if I can get my notes together. Uh, where am I here? OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had planned uh, in detail, by the way, to go through uh, Trump's, you know, Trump defense team's uh, six point impeachment defense, which they had outlined in their first day of opening arguments uh, during a short two hour session on Saturday morning uh, and their uh, ongoing defense argument in the Senate on Monday, where Ken Starr, yes, that Ken Starr, always good to see him. He looks very well, doesn't he, Des? Um, The man who led the years-long special counsel investigation uh, into a land deal regarding Bill Clinton in the 90s, uh, which, after years of investigation, it morphed into an unsuccessful impeachment trial over Bill Clinton's affair with a White House intern and his lying about it when uh, asked under oath uh, about it. Bill Clinton's lying about it. Well, yes, that Ken Starr, who insisted there should be impeachment over that issue, For his part today, uh, I would say falsely, according to the evidence, for his part today, he argued that Trump has been denied basic rights, echoing the claims that Trump's attorneys and defenders have been uh, making, often including lies in order to make their case, that Donald Trump has been somehow denied due process throughout the entire impeachment inquiry. That's what they brought Ken Starr to argue, that... Again, from the man who brought the impeachment case against Bill Clinton, that and uh, his argument that impeachment was uh, such a serious remedy that it should only be carried out in cases of national bipartisan consensus because impeachment is just too divisive otherwise. So that was a bit hard to stomach coming from uh, coming from Ken Starr. His claim that, you know, you really you shouldn't bring impeachment. That's a big weapon. You shouldn't use it unless the country is behind you. Uh, He actually made that argument from the well of the U.S. Senate. Uh, Do we have a piece of that? Uh, Yeah, let's let's go ahead and just 
just to turn everyone's stomach here, uh, clip number seven. Like war, impeachment is hell. Or at least presidential impeachment is hell. Those of us who lived through the Clinton impeachment, including members of this body, full well understand that a presidential impeachment is tantamount to domestic war, albeit thankfully protected by our beloved First Amendment, a war of words and a war of ideas. But it's filled with acrimony and it divides the country mm. like nothing else. Mm. Those of us who live through the Clinton impeachment understand that in a deep and personal way. So sad. It, really... divide, it divides the country. He would hate Ken Starr, the man who brought the impeachment against Bill Clinton, would hate to see the country divided, Dennis. Yes, who abused his power as a special counsel to actually try to bring up and, and dive deep into all of these witnesses and documents mm-hmm. and the Clinton impeachment that he's arguing now are not necessary and are just divisive. Well, he's trying to gaslight America. Uh, and he may be doing a good job to some people, at least those who want to be gaslighted. Uh, he argued that abuse of power, which is the uh, article, the first article of impeachment against Trump, is not uh, it's not a statutory crime and therefore it cannot be used to impeach a president, which is uh, wrong constitutionally. It is also just stomach-turningly wrong, according to uh, Ken Starr's recent own recent book on impeachment, in which he specifically and uh, hypocritically described Bill Clinton's abuse of power uh, in office. He talked about abuse of power as being the capstone of his case against Bill Clinton back in 1998, even though today... Nah, you can't bring impeachment for abuse of power. Do these people not understand that we have videotape, that we have eyes, that we can read books, that we can see what it is and hear what it is that they said in 1998 that is the exact opposite of what they are arguing now? That was then. This is now. Everything is different now because it's a Republican that they're talking about. Apparently so. Um... The uh, lead House manager, L.A. Congressman uh, Adam Schiff, summarized his response to the president's case over the weekend. Uh, this way, he, uh, he tweeted, uh, After listening to the president's lawyers' opening arguments, I have three observations, said Schiff. They don't contest the facts of Trump's scheme. They're trying to deflect, distract from, and distort the truth. And they are continuing to cover it up by blocking documents and witnesses. So... Uh, now, I had hoped to actually break down uh, point by point the uh, case made by the president's able attorneys. But uh, given the bombshell development from The New York Times on Sunday, which you may or may not have heard about, I don't know, it could very well change the course of this trial as I see it. I want to focus on that right now uh, before maybe we'll see opening uh, the phones. We'll see if we... Any luck on the phones, Desiree? No, unfortunately not so okay. far, but we are That's working right. really hard on no, it. So okay, thanks, everybody, for Because believe me, I always have plenty to say. <laughs> I just wanted to... True. thought it'd be nice to hear from people on this. Anyway, um, so, uh, yes, as I've been saying, uh, damn near every day on the broadcast, five days a week, uh, that I've been warning, you should ignore conventional wisdom as to what the outcome of all of this will be. Uh, I know it's easy to, oh, the Republicans, they'll never vote to remove him from office. That is probably the case. Um, but I've also noted that having live witnesses 
For example, testimony from John Bolton, of all people, Donald Trump's former national uh, uh, security advisor, that that could be a game changer in this entire matter. And now, well, after the uh, news from The Times on Sunday, that would seem to underscore my argument. Republican senators who have refused to allow witnesses in the Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump thus far are reportedly shaken in their resolve after the New York Times published claims from an unpublished manuscript of John Bolton's forthcoming book. That After that manuscript was found to contain explosive accounts of Trump's, yes, direct involvement in the Ukraine scheme. Politico reports on Monday morning that it is uh, Republican that its Republican sources believe the situation may have now shifted as far as whether witnesses will be called or not following Bolton's allegation that Trump told him three hundred and ninety one million dollars in military aid to Ukraine was incumbent upon Ukraine's assistance with his desired investigation into 2020 candidate Joe Biden. Unnamed sources, uh, GOP sources, also reportedly told Axios that there is a possibility that four Republican senators may now break from the Senate GOP caucus's stonewalling of witnesses in the trial in the wake of the release of this manuscript, or at least the reporting on this uh, on this manuscript. Democrats need just four GOP uh, defections to successfully bring in crucial witnesses like Bolton for the Senate trial itself. Axios uh, sources also said that the White House and GOP leaders will continue to fight against having Bolton testify for fear that, quote, if one witness is allowed, the floodgates are open. And the Democrats push for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney to testify would intensify if Bolton's testimony ties those two administration officials to Trump's Ukraine scheme, which it almost certainly will if they allow uh, Bolton to testify. So there is every reason to believe that if he is allowed to testify, Those floodgates will, in fact, open. Bolton's manuscript, according to The Times, includes explosive accounts of other Trump administration officials and their involvement of knowledge of this Ukraine scheme, such as his allegation that he had told, this is Bolton's allegation, that he had told Attorney General Bill Barr, yes, Bill Barr is being brought into this, he had told Attorney General Bill Barr that he was concerned about Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani's operations in Ukraine. So now Bill Barr is in. Bolton also wrote that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo privately admitted Giuliani's smears of uh, a former ambassador to Ukraine and the well-known anti-corruption warrior Marie Yovanovitch, who Trump eventually removed from her post, that uh, those uh, smears were groundless, according to The Times, who reported on what Bolton had to say. So Mike Pompeo knew about this, and he knew it was nonsense. Pompeo also believed, reportedly, Giuliani's mudslinging was for the benefit of his client, according to the uh, ex-National Security Advisor. Uh, One of Giuliani's clients, of course, 
was Donald Trump. Additionally, Bolton alleged that acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney was present during at least one of Trump's calls with Giuliani in which they discussed the scheme to remove Yovanovitch. So Mulvaney is a firsthand eyewitness to all of this, along with Bolton, along with Pompeo, along with Barr. And so really, the Republicans are going to continue to vote against allowing any of these witnesses to testify? Maybe so. Charles Cooper, who is Bolton's lawyer, told the uh, New York Times that he had given a copy of the book to the White House on December 30 to ensure that it did not contain classified information. He said the review process had been corrupted. Those are his words by whoever had leaked the manuscript to the Times. So he's blaming the White House for the leak. Bolton said in uh, early January that he would agree to testify in the Senate impeachment trial. All they had to do was ask him at this point or at least subpoena him. But Senate Republicans have, at least until now, rejected Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer's efforts to include new witnesses and documents uh, in the trial, which began uh, last week. (laughs) So John Bolton has has the evidence. Schumer tweeted as much on Sunday. He said it's up to just four Senate Republicans to ensure that John Bolton, Mick Mulvaney and the others with direct knowledge of President Trump's uh, actions testify in the Senate trial. Will they or won't they? Uh, well, Desi Doyen is telling me we got phones now. Is that right? It does appear so that we you, have phones. We'll find out. Yes, we'll find, we'll out. find out if it holds. <laughs> 818-985-KPFK is our phone number if you want to try them out. 818-985-5735. We'll see if they worked. You can be our guinea pigs. We'd love to have you. 818-985-5735. Uh, but as of Monday morning... As NBC reported, uh, it looks like the GOP firewall to prevent any witnesses now from uh, uh, testifying in the Senate trial may be cracking. Apparently, Mitt Romney says that it is, quote, increasingly likely that there will be enough Republican senators to vote in favor of calling witnesses in the president's ongoing trial. Romney told reporters uh, that the uh, story about Bolton's book uh, uh, has, quote, increasingly has made it increasingly apparent that it would be important to hear from John Bolton. That's uh, Mitt Romney talking. He said that he has not fully made up his mind on calling witnesses yet, but that it uh, whatever Bolton has to say is relevant and, quote, therefore, I'd like to hear it. Romney says he has, quote, spoken with others who have opined upon this as well. Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine, uh, she tweeted out a statement saying that the reports about Bolton's book strengthen the case for witnesses and have prompted a number of conversations among my colleagues. But we would need four of those Republicans. Romney, Collins, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Lamar Alexander of Tennessee are considered to be the uh, the most likely Republicans to vote in favor of witnesses. Murkowski on Monday said that she is curious about what Bolton might say. She says she is still curious. Alexander has said he won't uh, decide anything. But what's important to remember here is that even if Romney... Collins and Murkowski, if they all say they wish to vote for witnesses, well, that's great, but they still need a four. And it's a big if, if they'll even say it. They still need a fourth. If they get that fourth, then all bets are off. Now, a few GOP senators want to be that fourth vote that would open up this enormous uh, Pandora's box at this point. 
for the president. So very few people want to be the fourth. But Lamar Alexander, he's not running for another Senate, uh, another term in the Senate. He is retiring. He has no reason to fear a primary challenger or even the wrath of the president and the party, at least not as much as, you know, many of the others would. He might have uh, he might have to, you know, forget some of that wingnut welfare that goes to guys like him as lobbyists after they retire. But he doesn't have the same political stakes as some of these others might. So he might come along as the fourth Republican to say, yes, we'd like to hear from witnesses. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. Do you think he will? Do you think enough will? Let me take uh, let me take a few calls here because uh, I've been going on. Actually, let's take a quick break. We'll take a quick break. Come back with your calls right after this. That makes more sense, sort of. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, we've had uh, some camera crews here from, uh, oh, I think CBS News or something over the past hour or so, trying to make me even more confused and succeeding. Let's go to some of your calls, shall we? Uh, We'll see if they work. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Anything you want to talk about, we welcome you. Dr. Bill from downtown L.A. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bill. Oh, here we are again. Say, I'd like your comment about the, the election deal and also about that not-so-stuff not in Congress today. Let me see here. You know, a lot of us average saps uh, don't really, aren't really worried about the VSAP system, if you know what I mean. You, you say it again because your phone is actually breaking up. I may not be able to keep you on uh, very long, Dr. Oh, Bill. You're worried about the, the, the touchscreen, the VSAP system. Why are you worried about well, it? I'm, well, I'm saying some of us average saps who are pretty clueless aren't really uh, worried, you know. I see. Yes, the saps. So that, not that, worried about VSAP. One, yeah. One viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then on that uh, baloney in Congress, let me see here. I got my notes here. Hang on a second. It's getting all dark in here. Oh, okay. take your time. Uh, yeah. No rush. I want to say, I guess I wanted to say that this morning, well, in our time this morning, there, I guess it's in the afternoon. Yes. Um, I'm finding the Republican speeches, diatribes, really. Um, I found them to be singularly unpersuasive, um, absolutely without merit. Um, what's more, as you guys have been uh, suggesting, very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, well, let's say two things. First well, of all, actually, of, uh, because your phone, Dr. Bill, I'm going to take your, your comment that uh, you find these guys hypocritical. Is this any better right now, maybe? Uh, not really. It's breaking up. No. I think you just got a bad yeah. signal there. We got unlucky in this well, case. At least I hope that's the case. I think it's still your system. Don't it could be our system. Uh, sorry about that, Bill, uh, but I don't want to drive people well, too crazy. Well, let me crazy. finish by saying I agree Quickly, yeah. it's very hypocritical. Okay. Thank you. Message heard loud and clear, and I agree, and I'm sorry we had to do that. Let's see if we have any better luck with Suzanne in Los Angeles. Hey, Suzanne, welcome to the broadcast. How's your phone? Oh, it's fine, I think. 
you know, I think that since uh, Bolton is holding justice hostage in order to sell his book, we should boycott his book and put a little pressure on him. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have to be subpoenaed to tell what he knows. If he thinks this is so important for the country, he can just show up on Anderson Cooper on CNN, on Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. Hell, we would welcome John Bolton here on the broadcast. I will give him an, an exclusive hour uh, to say whatever it is he knows that he thinks is so important that the country needs to know about. So you're right. Yeah, it's somewhat hypocritical of Bolton as well. If he's got something to say, why doesn't he just say it? Well, because he wants to sell books. I think you got it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks, Suzanne. I appreciate that call. Let me go to uh, our phone numbers uh, when they work. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to uh, Kim in South Pasadena. Hey, Kim, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. How are you doing? <sighs> Hanging in. Say, uh, briefly, yeah. that I just wanted to say uh, that, yes, of course, there should be additional witnesses in the impeachment trial. And yes, we should have verifiable voting machines in LA. Mm-hmm. And there's so much other there's so much other garbage going on. Yep. Um, I just I want you to keep up the good work. Your show is an antidote to mm-hmm. all the garbage that we have to deal with these days. So please uh, hang in there and keep up the good work. Thank you, brother. I I really appreciate that. It means a lot right now because this has uh, not been easy for all kinds of reasons. So uh, your support is uh, is always appreciated, sir. Um, Lindsey Graham, <laughs> a uh, top, of course, tr- Trump ally who has resisted calls for additional witnesses and documents, uh, he acknowledged to reporters that uh, what Bolton uh, had to say, that he may, in fact, be, quote, a relevant witness. And he said he would consider subpoenaing a manuscript of the book. This appears to be what Lindsey Graham is now. We could have Bolton himself. We could tell us what he actually knows, or we can try to get a copy of his book. Graham says, yeah, that I think that's important. Okay, good. Get the copy of the book, subpoena that, and get the witness who wrote the book. This isn't hard. If witnesses are called, Graham said that he also wants to include witnesses sought by the president. He said we're not going to get part of it. We're going to get all of it, intimating that he would like to call in uh, Vice President Joe Biden, his son Hunter Biden, and the whistleblower who uh, kicked off this whole thing by letting us know it was happening. Um doesn't seem relevant, that whistleblower, anymore because all of this stuff has, in fact, been proven. But Graham said that uh, seeking witness testimony would throw the country into chaos. Now, what Graham means when he says that witness testimony would throw the country into chaos, what he means is that it will throw the White House and the Republican uh, senators' defense of the president into chaos. Believe me, the country is already in chaos. But it's the Republican defense that would be in chaos if these folks are allowed to testify. And I agree. It will be chaos, which is why I have cautioned folks not to, uh, you know, to, 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 to not take conventional wisdom too seriously in this matter. Because conventional wisdom says that Trump could never receive a two-thirds vote for removal from the Senate. That's 67 senators. That is probably true. But if Bolton is allowed to testify, as I have long said, all bets on this thing are off, at least as far as I'm concerned. But what do I know? I'm only the guy who spent a year and a half 
before the 2016 election telling you that Donald Trump could absolutely win the presidency when everyone else and their sister scoffed at the idea that Donald Trump could ever defeat Hillary Clinton to become president of the United States. 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. Let's see if we can fit in a few more calls. John in Santa Monica. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh, John, Santa Monica, are you there? Oh, uh, no, he's not there. All right, well, we'll uh, you can uh, we'll come back to him if he uh, can call back in. John, he was uh, looked like he was saying that Democrats were crying wolf and that Bolton would not be a game changer, but I couldn't get to him, which I hate to say. Uh, let's go to, uh, well, do we have time? Yeah, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Chewy in La Puente, let me, where is he on seven? There we go. Hey, Chewy, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot. I was just thinking, you know, the, the preemptive strike on Soleimani. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it possible for Iraq to use the same premise that Trump used for an attack on George Bush for all the war crimes he caused during the Iraq war? <laughs> well, I mean, since the premise that Donald Trump used to attack Soleimani was uh, nonsense and turned out to not be true. I mean, basically, he said that this Soleimani guy was an imminent threat of attack. And, um, you know, the presidents have sort of uh, eroded away from the 1976 executive order by Gerald Ford banning uh, state-sponsored assassinations by saying, well, if it's an imminent attack, well, if we couldn't get him any other way, all of these little erosions um, that, you know, folks like Obama used, that George W. Bush used in order to do these targeted drone strikes, um, But uh, Donald Trump just blew them all away because when he was asked, well, what was the imminent threat? Where's the evidence of, uh, you know, an imminent attack against uh, U.S. troops? They were unable to come up with any of them. They just made it up. So if Iran wanted to make up a reason, as uh, Donald Trump did, to commit a war crime, then sure, they could. Iraq. Uh, Iraq what? But to use the same premise that Trump did to attack, to send a war drone attack on George Bush. Uh Uh-huh. I guess I'm I'm confused about the question, Chewy. Do you want to clarify? A preeminent yeah attack. Uh huh. Iraq on 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 President ex President George Bush. Could Iraq attack George President George W. Bush? For all the war crimes. For all the war crimes. Yeah. Not. Uh, obviously not. Uh, Donald Trump couldn't do what he did either, but he went ahead and did it. Uh, but no, they could not use the uh, imminent attack idea against George W. Bush, because as far as I know, George W. Bush is not planning any imminent attacks on Iraq or anywhere else. Not anymore. Donald Trump, that's a different story. All right. Uh, do we have uh, 10 seconds for Mo? Let's go. Mo, you got 10 seconds, brother. Go. We're going to call witnesses. I want to call Stormy Daniels. And I want to know why they call us Stormy. You want to call Stormy Daniels. All right. Noted, Morris. Thank you. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, for getting through this tough show. Thanks to uh, D'Angelo Jones, our board operator, and all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Thanks to those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.